0: KMTT, this is Ezra Beck. I'm taking a few minutes before we begin the Arab Shabbat program to remind you once again about the importance of this week, the KMTT Drive Appreciation Week. Let me we mention right away the phone numbers and the address. First of all, our website where you can get all the information you need, the address to, to mail and phones is www.kimitzion.org. That's www.kimitzion.org. And uh, I'll mention in my way the phone number in New York. For, uh, for more information, or for you can do a credit card over the phone, it's New York 212 732 4874. And if you're in Israel, we have a phone that you can call anytime at 0525 456 what is KMTT Drive Appreciation Week? Appreciation Drive Week. KMTT is public podcasting. There's no support. There's no other support for KMTT. We don't have ads. We don't have people who, who just drop by and say they want to do this. And uh, KMTT depends totally on the support of the listening community. When we started KMTT three years ago. Uh, almost exactly three years ago. And um, I thought, I guess I had a dream. I, I, it appears to me that KMTT can be really revolutionary. There are, after all, thousands, not thousands, tens of thousands of people who have different levels of commitment to learning Torah. And they spend hours a day doing things like driving. or or commuting, when you can't do anything else. But you could learn Torah if somebody would provide a shear with a a, a fixed time and and give you a way to take it with you wherever you go. And that's how KMTT was born. And I think that, I don't know, I think it's a dream of generations. Because the way the way the Torah describes, the way Chazal describes Am Yisrael, Am Ha-Torah, Jews learn every day. Most of us daven every day. But a lot of us don't learn every day. It's more complicated. You need someone to help you. You need someone to learn with you. And you have to find the time and we are very busy. But the definition of Am Yisrael is Am Ha-Torah. That Yom one learns every day. It's like it's the oxygen of the story of Rabbi Akiva, who in time of persecution was nonetheless learning Torah. Papa Yehuda said to him, "Why is he endangering his life?" And Rabbi Akiva said, "It's like the fish in the water. It's not safer. It might be safer on land if there's predators in the water, but you can't go on land." And Torah is is the water for the fish it's the oxygen for us and I think KMTT this program of which you the listeners are part has the potential to revolutionize the definition of Amisal to, or to bring the definition to its true fruition can you imagine the highways of America I was born up in New York the Long Island Expressway known as the world's Longest, largest parking lot. And people, all the cars are filled with people who are listening simultaneously to the sheer of the day. I'm calling on everybody who hears this podcast to join us together, not just in learning, learning is the main thing. That's why you're here, you're here to learn, but also in supporting materially the program to make sure that it continues, to make sure that it expands. I know that you know this last year some people a lot of people have had financial difficulties relatively speaking and hasn't exactly uh, passed over those of us in Israel. and, and I, my, my bank account re- reflects that uh, situation as well. When one thinks about what one uses one's money for, where one invests, which out, one invests in, which causes. So maybe now is the time we have to make a very, very careful consideration and to make sure we concentrate on those things which are really valuable. They really make a difference. And I think, it's my dream, I think KNTT makes a real difference. And the money goes purely for tower. There's almost no, there, are, there are no administration costs in KNTT. Zero, zero administration costs. The money goes directly to producing the Shira and so this is our one week a year I'm calling everybody everybody to make the effort a minimum effort a moderate effort and for those of you who who, who, whose consideration now is actual philanthropy it's we where to make not just to so to speak pay for the use okay is free of course but you know I call it appreciation week if you appreciate it so show us your appreciation and for those of you who can afford more to really become sponsors of the program by giving significant amounts, and uh, thereby ensuring that we can spend the rest of the year not having to worry about this, but only making sure that the shiurin come out. And now I'm passing you directly over to mm-hmm. today's shiur, the Arab Shabbat program, with Havav Yonatan Snogel. Shabbat Shabbat.
1: KMTT. Kimi Mityan Torah. You're listening to the Arab Shabbat program, Erev Shabbat Kodesh, Parshat era Kaf Zayin Tevet, and the Erev Shabbat program is Lilui Nishmat Shlomo Yosef and Chaim Shmuel. What is a miracle? What is a prophecy? The topic of miracle and the related topic of prophecy comes up very strongly. In in this week's parsha, I would say there are two major ideas that come up very strongly when we are dealing with miracles. I open up within parsha Vayira. I plan to open somewhere else, but I found a different source. I think this repeats itself. Paro calls out to Moshe and Aaron. And says, "Pray to God, and He'll take away these frogs from me and from my nation. And I'll send the nation, your nation, and they will sacrifice to God." Moshe says, "Test me out here. When, for when should I pray for you? In other words, when should the frogs go away? Not. In other words, when should I pray? When should I? To when I should pray for you?" And he says, "Vayomer Machar. Paro says, tomorrow. I want them to go away tomorrow. Kidvarcha, al as you said, so you know that there isn't anybody like our God. And Moshe immediately prays to God. And in fact, that's what takes place. kidvar Moshe. God does what is the purpose of this? game or when should I pray for you so Rashi has a whole explanation that is very viable here that Paro suspects that Moshe for whatever reason knows when this plague is ending so he figures if he says to him if Moshe is willing to pray for him he knows it's ending now so he says tomorrow so Moshe says no problem it will end tomorrow the accuracy of the nevuah is crucial to our ability to believe in it number one Condition number one. Condition number two. The preciseness. Did we say preciseness already? We said the preciseness of the Nebuah, and the preciseness of the execution, not only as in terms of times, but as in terms of result. Okay? When Hashem brings Dever, the plague on the animals... And God says, I will differentiate between the cattle of B'nai Israel and the cattle of Mitzrayim. And not a single person, not a single cattle of B'nai Israel will die. And God sends a severe plague into the cattle of Mitzrayim. And the Torah testifies, not one was killed. And Paro goes and checks this. Not a single one was killed. But this is crucial to Paro. Does Moshe have some sort of good intuition to know what's going to happen? He has a good... You know, there there are people that I know, there are blind people who know when it's going to rain. Okay, they have a very good intuition about these things. Moshe might be a very big nature guy. You know, he puts his ear to the ground, he knows what's coming. That being the case there's no room for differentiating between Meknei Chim and Meknei Yisrael because there's a plague on the way and the plague is going to hit everybody and even if it's going to mostly hit a certain area it's going to certainly spill over to the neighboring area and something's going to happen there and that's crucial for Parah to check out because if even a few of B'nai Yisrael died then this ruins the miracle in his eyes entirely and in fact not a single one, the Torah testifies not a single cattle died and that makes it a convincing miracle. Of course, perhaps one of the strongest factors in the miracles that we see in Parshat Vayera is the publicity of these miracles. It's there for everybody to see. Anybody who was in Mitzrayim saw the Nile to blood have frogs coming out of it saw the Egyptians scratching themselves when they when they had lice saw the wild animals running through Mitzrayim saw the, the dead animals from the plague saw the boils saw the hail saw the locust experienced the darkness and saw the Egyptians mourning over their firstborn who were killed in Makat bechorot these weren't secrets these weren't stories that passed over Secretly, for one to another. And that's what made these miracles powerful and believable. Because there tends to be a skepticism towards miracles. Perhaps less so in a different time, I do not know. And therefore, there has to be accuracy, 100% accuracy to the prophecy, to the prediction of the miracle the execution, how it happens. And that's when we can say it's a miracle. Publicity. Now, there's no denying that there are private miracles as well. And these are well documented in Tanakh. And the the prophet, perhaps, who is most famous for that is the prophet Elisha. The prophet Elisha, besides doing miracles on a national level, which she did perform, or prophecies that predicted surprising victories which made him a force on a national level and everybody knew who this person was, Elisha at the point where he's got that type of national recognition so he's also permitted, if I may say quote unquote, to do private miracles as well because he has the power to do that as a prophet and the Tanakh testifies to the truth of these miracles, but mostly Elisha's public appearances testify to the true nature of his character so that when he also pulls off private miracles, they're far more believable to us. The effect of the miracle is only in the effect that it's believable because if there's room for skepticism in the miracle, what purpose has it served? Miracle is meant to be clear, powerful. Paro, It is true. Hardens his heart, has his heart hardened at different points. But not because he's not admitting throughout the process that something is going on here and God is behind things. And the Khartoumim Paro's magicians, if you were, already by the third plague, by Kinim, are admitting that this is some sort of supernatural force that they cannot explain and they cannot duplicate. And that's what's going on in Mitzrayim. There's an admission that something is going on here that is not manly, that was not predictable. And even if it was predictable, it's not happening in a natural way. A plague doesn't hit a country and hit the cattle of some people of a certain nationality or religion or race and not hit the cattle of a different nationality or race. There was a story circulating about a certain rabbi, and I don't want to mention any names right now because I'm not interested in this being misinterpreted as an attack on a particular rabbi. Around the time of the Gulf War, a rabbi was asked by Jewish American soldiers who were going to Iraq. This was, we were talking about the Gulf War of the 1990s. Should we take a Megillah with us? They were going out there in December, January. Should we take a Megillah with us I don't know exactly what the answer was, in the precise words, but the answer was, no, you shouldn't take a Megillah. Now, the war ended a day or two before Purim that year, and the I remember the pictures in the in the newspapers of uh, people out celebrating on the streets in Israel, because now suddenly they could go into the streets again. Until then, people were pretty close to their homes, and the, the scud missiles falling down and on the western coast of the country, was a frightening reality. And suddenly now they had the freedom to go out of their houses, just in time for Purim, dress up, go out into the streets, enjoy themselves. And the followers of this particular rabbi, in fact, lifted up this story as a prediction, a prophecy, pardon me, that this rabbi knew that the war would end by Purim. Now, of course, this is a fallacy because while the war did end by Purim, if indeed the soldiers asked whether they should take a Megillah with them, they should have taken a Megillah with them, because I'll tell you something, the American soldiers didn't get out of Iraq the day after the war ended, and they weren't home by the time Purim came around. That's not an accurate prophecy. Telling stories I heard from a great Rosh Hashiva and I won't mention names. I'm not saying this. I'm being unclear. <laughs> I heard this week, and I'm not mentioning names not because I'm interested in hiding my sources. I'm just trying not to diss people. But if anybody wants to contact me over email or question me on the on the site of Kimitsion.org and ask me who these people are, I will reveal that information. I just don't want to make this personal. But I heard this week on an internet uh, video clip of five minutes of a rabbi it's describing the stories that have been coming out of uh, the the fighting in Gaza of a woman who, uh, who looked like an Arab woman who is warning the soldiers, the IDF soldiers, don't go into this house, it's booby-trapped, don't go into this area. It's, there's an ambush waiting for you. Who are you? And the woman answered, Ima Rachel. And the, of course everybody everybody, whoever wishes to interpret this, Rachel Imenu intervened in the fighting and saved soldiers. Again, I hear this on this internet video, it's, I heard from a, a real Rosh Yeshiva, now I'm quoting, I'm not saying this, a real Gadol Rosh Yeshiva told me the story is really true and he heard it from somebody, and there's no names and there's no way of checking out, checking this out, and for God's sakes, if there was a miracle, if somebody, this really happened to someone, and this story is true, and this story is confirmable, why do we have to hear this through the grapevine? Why can't that person get up there and write an article about it in the, in, 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 uh, in the, on the internet, in the newspaper? Why does it have to be secretive? Is that what a miracle is about? And we're supposed to base our, our belief on the secretive miracle that happened to someone, that this rabbi who knows the Rosh Hashiva, who knows a guy who said that it's true. Are miracles secretive, that we don't put them on the table? If it's a miracle, it's a miracle. Trying to take something that is positive, shows hashkachat Hashem, and always wave it as a miracle, when it's not clear, in the way that the miracles in Egypt were clear, is not a good idea. It leaves room for the skeptics of religion, not of skeptics of miracles, but skeptics of of religion to say, this is what your religion is based on, this questionable event, that no one can tell me who it happened to. Matan Torah was in front of 600,000 men and more uh, children and women. Likewise, Yitzhi Mitzrayim, likewise, Kriya Yamsuf. You want to have an event that establishes the identity of a people, you better not do it in a secret room, somewhere where nobody sees. And when whoever from whichever church in Christianity goes into that room where and he finds the burning light and takes it out to the masses and shows them that the light is still burning miraculously, doesn't do it for me. Because if he's the only one who goes into that room, you can fill in the blanks for yourselves. Here's where I want to get to the second point of a samtipidut. When nobody from the cattle of B'nai Israel died, Paro had to admit that this was a miracle. When a rabbi gets up there and says, each missile that they shot at us, an angel was riding on it and making sure it would fall into a unbuilt up, uninhabited place. What a load of nonsense is that? What do you say to the boy whose mother tried to protect her son with her whole body, and yet a piece of shrapnel still managed to get through into his brain? And what do you say to the soldiers? Not a lot of soldiers. And thank God, and we can talk about Hashkachat Hashem, that not many soldiers were killed. We can talk about, thank God, that with all the rockets that were rained upon us, not that many people were injured, not that many houses were damaged. And we can thank God. But from here to talk about a miracle... And a clear miracle. And this is a miracle which proves God's intervention and God's existence in the way that the miracles of Mitzrayim did. Not worth it. Lots of reason to thank God. Lots of reason to be grateful to God. But not a reason to publicly display these events as miracles. Because for all the missiles that the angels drove him uh, drove Cowboy into the ground with no damage, there were houses that were destroyed... And houses that are destroyed, our families' lives that are turned upside down, even if everybody's safe, they have to figure out how to pay for this. And even though the, the government's going to help them out, they're going to move out of their house, they're going to have to be somewhere else, maybe not near school. Life is going to be complicated. There are people who died, good people who died, they died by enemy fire. Why weren't the angels riding on our, uh, on our uh, rockets to make sure that our soldiers didn't die by enemy fire? There aren't any answers to these questions. And when there aren't answers to questions, it's not necessarily a good idea to posit definite and clear ideas on the basis of skeptical proof. Of proof that cannot be established. Of proof that isn't there. And a miracle, God knows how to do miracles. Parshat Vayera, open it up go to Shul this week, you will see that God knows how to do those real miracles where everybody drops their jaws and everybody, everybody says, that's God. Nothing else but God. And when God wants to do those miracles, He can do those miracles. So God doesn't have to do miracles by doing something in the privacy of a room of a guy that nobody knows his name that told somebody else who's a really big Rosh Hashiva, but we don't know his name either. And that's the miracle. God's ways are mysterious. We don't always understand why God does what He does. At certain windows of history, God gave us a very clear vision of what He was doing, why He was doing it. Today we don't live in that era. We pray to be in that time where we have prophets that can tell us what we have to do What God expects of us, what are are the ramifications of our actions, why what happened happened. We don't have that now. I think it's incorrect to believe that you know why God does something. It's incorrect to pass off stories that happened, if they happened at all, in private places as miracles to everybody, to the press. In any case, I want to sum up on a completely different place, and that is, this week is KMTT Appreciation Drive Week. Uh, No one more than me knows how difficult it is to get response from the KMTT listeners. Over the years I've been doing KMTT, I've encouraged listeners to write to the website, to write to my private email, and I know the problem... I know that if you're you're got your iPod in on the car or on the subway or wherever it is and you're not sitting in front of your computer and you say wow that was a great year wow this wow that oh I have a great question I really wish I could ask oh I'd like to make a comment that all peter's out by the time the the car drive is over by the time you get into your office and you have to start working by the time you get into your house and you have to start taking care of the kids or take care of the house etc And the comment that was really well formulated and really nicely sitting there in your head has completely disappeared. And now, here we are asking you to go home after you listen to this KMTT drive and go home and go to the website and find out how to donate, find out the address, send a check, use the credit card, whatever it is that you're going to use. If you've been enjoying KMTT... If it does something for you, give something to KMTT, donate something to KMTT, contact KMTT, find out what equipment we would lo- love to have, how uh, how our budget works, how we pay salaries, etc. All of this is coming from you and if you enjoy it, if it does something for you, we'd very much appreciate if you would give something back and then instead of it being KMTT appreciation drive week we could make KMTT Listener Appreciation Week the following week for all your help in maintaining KMTT. And on that note, Shabbat Shalom, and may we be privileged to see re- real miracles and a clear hand of God speedily and in our day. Shabbat Shalom.
0: And once again, before we sign off, the web address for more information, www.kimitzion.org. That's www.ki.mitzion.org, dot org And the phone number of our office in New York 212-732-4874 And the phone number in Eretz Israel 525 Shabbat Shalom Um varach. And we'll be hearing more Shiyur, more Torah Next week, as usual, on KMTT Kimitsion Tetzay Torah, Udvar Hashem Yerushalayim.